raise your hand if you contribute to school life at HTS in some way. You know, you're part of a team, a club, or maybe the play. Raise your hand high. Wow. Look at all those hands. Okay, next question. How many of you are committed to that team, club, or play? Raise your hand up high. Hmm, okay. How many people actually know what the difference is? Well, that's why I'm here this morning. I'm here to talk to you a little bit about commitment. You see, in modern times, I really find that we struggle with this definition of what commit, commitment actually means. And it's this time of year, you know, we're approaching the 100th day of school, we've climbed halfway up this mountain, and we still got halfway to go, that commitment really starts to show for some people. This is the hardest time of the year. You know, it's cold out. We've done all this work up to this point, assignments, tests, and we still got all a whole bunch of assignments and tests to go before the end of the year. And if you're like me and you want to look back in June and say, yes, this year is a success, I'm going to guess you're going to point to around this time of year when, when we've been through so much, we start to get a little bit demotivated. We start to get a little tired or a little fatigued. Because I know that teachers do, and I'm in the same boat. And I argue that this is the most important time of year. You need to stick with the plan and stay with it so that in June you can look back and say, I, it was a total, total success. All right, before I get started on contribution versus commitment, I want to share a little uh, story with you. Go something like this. A kid comes down for, for breakfast one morning and, and he sees his parents sitting there and he says, Mom, Dad, uh, I was up half the night thinking about contribution for versus commitment. My teachers were talking about it in school yesterday. And I, I really don't understand the difference. And the parents look at each other and kind of chuckle and say, that's what you're up half the night for. And the boy says, yeah, yeah. Can you help me out? Mom and Dad go quiet. And then Dad says, hey, take a look at your breakfast. And the kid says, what, what are you talking about? It's just it's bacon and eggs. And the dad says, well, a chicken contributed to your breakfast. And a pig, well, a pig committed to your breakfast. And that little metaphor has stuck with me for a very long time. I think I first heard it in university. And it's really helped me understand what it means to commit to something. What it means to give up other things in order to stick with the plan and stay with the goals. And I think in modern times... We really struggle with what it means to commit, and uh, there's all kinds of reasons for it. And I'm going to just pick on social media for, for one. Because we live in a tech-rich society, you might be like this girl here in the cartoon. I know that I am sometimes when I open up my social media feed, when I look at my Facebook and my Instagram, and I, and I see all of these people, all of my friends doing these amazing things, going awesome places, accomplishing outstanding feats, winning, um, going to all these amazing events. And I, it, it kind of gets me a little disheartened at times because I think, my goodness, how are these people doing all this? How are they finding the time and the effort to do it? And I think the one thing we have to remember is that when you look through social media, what you're seeing is highlights of people's lives. You're seeing the end. What you're not seeing is all of the hard work, all of the effort, all of the failing, all of the luck 
that's required to accomplish these great things. And I argue that really all of that work, all of that failure, all of that luck, all that effort, that's the best part of living. That's the best part of the story. And we really need to understand what the costs are because when we look at our social media feeds and we look around us and we see all these people doing all of these things involved in multiple different events and plays and uh, sports teams, it can be a little discouraging because it takes a lot of effort to do it. And so I want to share with you today some stories of people who know what it means to commit to something, who knows what it, who knows what it means, who knows what it means to give up dreams and aspirations in order to accomplish one important goal. This is Judy. Um, she had a dream when she was a kid. She wanted to grow up and be something. What does she want to be? Yes, a police officer. The only problem is there are no bunny police officers in Zootopia. Actually, there were never any bunny police officers in Zootopia. And Judy knew that, and she committed to this goal. The other problem is that everyone around Judy told her that she shouldn't and couldn't be a police officer. Even her parents tried to convince her otherwise. The bullies in the schoolyard picked on her and said she'd never accomplish it. Well, with a bit of hard work, some luck, and a lot of effort, she was able to become a police officer. And even when she did, the police force didn't think she could be a capable police officer. They put her on parking duty. But yet it didn't discourage Judy. She did her job with the goal in mind. And she was able to solve the case of the 14 missing mammals in Zootopia, one of the biggest cases ever. And she did it with effort, hard work, and luck. And it's no coincidence that the stories we watch as children are filled with these ideas of commitment. You see, we crave it and we understand it. I know that if you're like me and we watch Frozen over and over and over in our house, you understand that the commitment that Anna went through to, to help her sister. Now, the movie wouldn't be the same if it was just the ending, just the highlight, just the Facebook or Instagram picture of Elsa and Anna and Olaf and Kristoff and Sven dancing around. The movie wouldn't be as good. We watch it over and over because we're into the story. We're into the, the, the work that she puts in to accomplish it. And the same goes with all the tales we watch. They're all the same. It's the same blueprint. This is Winston. Winston's a pig. You see, Winston was a legend of World War II. Now, it didn't start out so well for him. Actually, it started out quite poorly. During World War I, he didn't have a lot of success as a politician and a leader. He actually returned to the front lines. At the start of World War II, when, when the, the war clouds were looming, he was an outspoken critic of how the British government was handling Germany, and he lost a lot of friends, made a lot of enemies as a result of that. And it, when the government started to listen to him and finally handed him power in the spring of 1940, 
A mere hours later, France, their biggest ally, was attacked and overrun very quickly, leaving Britain entirely alone against what seemed to be an unstoppable force. And in that moment, Hitler reached out to Churchill and offered him peace. Now, the only thing defending Britain at the time was a lightly armed Canadian division and a channel of water and a few airplanes. So, it would be perfectly reasonable for Churchill to accept a truce. However, he immediately shot it down and he turned to the British people and this is what he said. Sir, I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and if the best arrangements are made, as they are being made, we should prove ourselves once more able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary for years, if necessary alone. The British Empire and the French Republic linked together in their cause and in their need will defend to the death their native soil, aiding each other like good comrades to the utmost of their strength. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Now, I don't know about you, but that certainly doesn't sound like a guy who's going to contribute to the war effort. That sounds like a guy who's committed himself, his people, his country and the Commonwealth to doing the right thing and stopping the Nazis. And the rest, as they say, is history. Now, you don't need to go very far back in time, especially in the religious context, to see how important commitment is to things like the Bible and the Quran and Buddhism. You see, most of the major religions of the world are surrounded by this idea of commitment. And the Bible is no different. As a matter of fact, you don't have to go any further than Jesus to see how important commitment is to him and to the Word of God. You see, Jesus had disciples who followed him and helped him spread the Word of God but he took a very hard line on commitment if you wanted to be part of his squad. In the book of Luke, he says, In the same way any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Now, arguably, Jesus was one of the most compassionate people who ever walked the face of the earth. He put almost everyone above himself. And yet, if you wanted to be a disciple, he told you you had to give up your friends, your family, your lifestyle. Now, why would this happen? It's pretty obvious if you ask me, because Jesus knew how difficult 
the struggle was going to be, how hard it would be to spread the word of God. And he didn't want people following him and helping him who were going to bail out as soon as the going got tough. So he said, look, if you can give all these things up, then I know that you'll be with me through the end. And that's indeed what happened. After Jesus left the earth, it was the disciples who, who wrote down the stories and spread the word of God until it caught fire in the modern world and has been that way ever since. Now you're probably noticing a theme developing here. When you talk about commitment, you're talking about hard work and effort. And this next individual, who's my personal hero, is an testament to that. To be committed to something is to go beyond yourself, to go bigger than yourself, and to understand that if you're going to make a difference, you've got to put it all on the line. This is Terry Fox, someone you're probably already familiar with. Now, Terry Fox is a hero, and we all love him because he accomplished great things. But if you look at Terry Fox objectively, you'll notice something. He actually didn't do a decent job of accomplishing his goal. He wanted to run all the way across Canada, and he only made it halfway. He wanted to raise a dollar for every Canadian, which at the time was about $26 million. He didn't even come close by the time he finished running near Thunder Bay. So what is it that draws us to him? What is it specifically that makes us so inspired by Terry Fox? Well, I think this has something to do with it. As he approached the city of Thunder Bay on September 1st, Terry Fox had run 3,339 miles, nearly the distance between Miami and Seattle. He was on this stretch of road at this white marker when he asked to be taken to the hospital. Thunder Bay was a surprise and shock. And we weren't expecting that. None of us were, including Terry. Doctors there examined Terry's lungs, then offered a diagnosis. The cancer had returned. He had a tumor the size of a lemon and a tumor the size of a golf ball on both sides of his, in both his lungs. And that's when he ran 26 miles with the day before and the day before and the day before. From a stretcher, Terry shared the news of his diagnosis. My cancer has spread, and now I've got a cancer in my lungs. And uh, we got to go home and, tr and try and need some more treatment. But uh, all I can say is that if there's any way I can get out there again and finish it, I will. If there's any way I can get out there and finish it, I will. You see, that's the voice of someone who has committed himself to something big. And even in the face of death, 
I mean, let's be honest, he's probably told that his chances of survival were very low. All he could think about was getting back out and finishing his goal. That's why we love Terry Fox. We love him because he's committed to something. And no matter what, right until the end, he stuck with it. This is my mom. Uh, this photo was taken about seven years ago. And shortly after this picture was taken, my mom passed away from cancer. Now, there's all kinds of things that happen to you when you lose your mom, uh, especially at a young age. She was only 51. But there's some inspirational things that happen as well. And I have this one memory, this one vivid memory um, of something very simple. When she was sick, I, I was helping her get a drink of water. And I remember holding her up so that she could drink. And in that moment, it just it dawned on me about how fragile the human body could become. I mean, here was this lady who was grew up on three with three brothers, who was raised on a farm, who raised three sons. She was a tough lady. She told me that I need to wipe the blood and tears away and get back out there every time I something didn't go my way. She told me the world didn't owe me anything. Yet now she couldn't even get a drink of water. And I knew that there wasn't a whole lot I could do to save her. I could just make her comfortable. But there was something that I could do for myself. I could honor her by making sure that I didn't take any day for granted. Because there's going to be a time, and I hope it's not for a very, very, very long time, when... I might need help getting a drink of water. I might need help walking. And until that day comes, I promised myself in that moment that I was going to do everything possible to keep my body and my mind strong. And I'm happy to say that for the last seven years, every single day I work out. And at 4.55, every morning, my alarm clock goes off. And I get out of bed, and I go, and I work out. Now, I'm not doing it to be some sort of fitness model. I'm way too old for that. I do it because it sucks. It's hard to get out of your comfortable, warm bed, to go get your shoes on, get outside in the cold, damp, dark weather, to run and then come back home and do push-ups and pull-ups and try and lift 400 pounds off the ground. It's hard. But here's the thing. There's an undervalued benefit to putting yourself in an uncomfortable position every single day of your life. Starting your day doing something hard. Because, you see, when life throws curveballs at me, when something doesn't go my way, I now have the ability to deal with it more than I ever thought I would. Now scientists will tell you that our genetic code, our genes are lined with special switches that turn on when we're under stress. But they would tell you that we're designed to be stressed. And the reason is we adapt, we change. When we're put under pressure, we're able to cope. We have special mechanisms that allow us to cope and turn us into better people. 
And that's why I do it. I do it because it's hard. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that, you know, therapy dogs and yoga and warm hugs are really important. And they can really help people who are struggling. But there's a reason that therapy dogs spend most of their time at hospitals. It's because people there are going through some terrible things. And they need support. And I argue that unless you're rubbing up against those tough parts of your life, none of those hugs and therapy dogs and yoga are going to help. Now, I know that the middle school recently com com um, completed a design challenge where they tried to improve the wellness of our school. And I heard some outstanding ideas, fabulous ideas. And one that kind of stuck with me was that we all take a day a month and not do schoolwork, but focus on things we're interested in, improving ourselves that way. And I think that we should do the exact opposite. I think we should take a day off every month and not do schoolwork. But instead, we do something hard, that we stretch ourselves, that we make ourselves uncomfortable, that we challenge ourselves physically and mentally. Because you have to understand one dirty little secret. There's going to be a time when you can do all the things you're interested in. It's called being an adult. And if everything goes to plan, when that happens, you're not going to want to do whatever you want. You're going to want to go out and change the world and make it a better place. And I think spending time now challenging yourself and getting uncomfortable is going to make it that much easier when you get out into the world because it's going to be hard to do those things. And what happens when you commit yourself every day? Well, you get yourself mixed up in all kinds of interesting situations. This is a picture of uh, me running the Sporting Life 10K Last May, it's a cool run down Young Street, and I was convinced by multiple times uh, the late Mr. Jeff McGee to run it, and so I did, and I'm happy that I, I did. Now, I, I've run it before, and I wanted to challenge myself this time, so I decided to run it in a fasted state. I didn't eat the, a day before the actual race. Now, I'm not insane. The, the theory is pretty simple. It says that if you don't have sugar and carbohydrates in your body, your body will actually switch to burning fat when you're exercising. And I don't need to lose fat, but it's more that fat has way more energy per gram than carbohydrates and sugar does. And so essentially you're accessing an unlimited source of energy and theoretically you shouldn't get tired. Now, I, I ran this race, and I got tired, and it was painful, and, and I finished it, and I didn't get the time that I wanted, and I remember something strange happening when I finished the race. I remember looking around and seeing people wearing these, you know, tank tops in the cold weather that said stuff about running clubs, and I remember hearing people talking about split times, which I don't often hear when I finish races, and I didn't think much of it, and I went home and I checked the internet to see what my time was and compare it to my watch. And in that moment, I realized something special had happened. Out of 18,000 or so people who ran this race, I finished like 
300th or something. And I did it in a fasted state. And I'm not saying that to brag that I'm this great runner. I'm saying that I didn't even know that this was happening while I was doing it. And you might say to yourself, I don't really care about running. I don't really care about fitness. And that's fine. But you can apply this template to anything. Say you want to be a DJ or a writer or an artist or an actor or an engineer. If you continue to push yourself and work hard and commit to it, and you do it every day, when it comes time to perform, you're not going to feel the pain and the tired like I didn't. You're going to be so used to it. Like my body was so used to training every day that it, I didn't notice what was happening. And that's why commitment to a goal is so important and to do it every single day. Uh, another hero of mine, Seth Godin, said, the only difference between the people who win marathons and finish in the top parts of the race and the people who don't finish are the people who run marathons and finish, they find a place to put their tires in the hurt. That's the only difference. There's nobody who runs a marathon who says, you know, I'm going to run this because I'm not going to get tired. I practice so hard. That's not true at all. People find a place to put the tire. And if you commit to something every day, you get better at it. It doesn't get easier. You get better at it. Okay, my last story. And I got to um, preface it by showing you some pictures of uh, churches in Europe. You see, Europe has kind of been the security blanket for Christianity for over a thousand years. And today... All major religions are actually on the retreat. There are less and less people practicing religion across the world. And for whatever reason, it is just not as popular as it was, was. As a matter of fact, when you look to Europe, this bastion of Christianity, you'll see that churches that have existed for hundreds of years are being turned into Starbucks and hotels and restaurants because no one's going to them. And... That's what makes this character so fascinating. He quietly goes about his business every day in a committed, professional manner. And what's the most impressive about him is that he listens. He really stops to listen. It doesn't matter if you're in JK or grade 5 or grade 11 or an adult. He will hear your story. And he doesn't preach. He just listens. And that's the most important quality of a good leader. You see, Father Crowther is a pig. And in a world that's less and less interested in hearing the stories of the Bible, he goes about his work without that on his mind. And we tell him some heavy stuff that he has to deal with. You know, my dog is sick and my aunt has cancer and my friend got hurt. Can you pray for them? And it takes a very special person to be able to put that in their heart and carry it throughout their day. Because that's a lot of weight to weigh on someone. Yet he does it with perfection. Father Crowther is committed.
Okay, before I let you go, there's one thing I gotta tell you. You see, commitment is a long-term process. And you might see, leave here today and I've convinced you to be committed to something and in a week you're gonna change your mind. But you're gonna need inspiration if you really wanna stay the course. And it's important to realize one thing, to find real commitment, to find inspiration from people committing to things You've got to look outside into the world. You see, the world out there, it's not a really fair place for a lot of people. And there are plenty of people who get the short end of the stick in life, yet they're unaffected by it. They're committed, and they go about their work without any distractions. And so you need to find these people, and you need to latch on to them. And the first thing you can do is realize that we essentially, everyone in this room, lives in Eden. We have everything we need and more. And the people who are really committed, they don't. And when you find them, you'll realize that life is about commitment. You don't have to look any further than down the road at the Bloor View Holland Rehab Clinic, where kids your age and younger are quietly going about their business to do simple things that we take for granted, like walking. And when you visit there, there's one thing you're going to see. You're going to notice that there's no crying. There's no excuses of why something can't get done. There's no days off. It's just work. And if you want to walk, you got to work at it. So you're going to face obstacles in your life. There's going to be mountains and oceans that are going to be in your way. And the next time that you come across one, I really want you to spend some time, and I don't care if you're 4, 14, or 44, I want you to look in the mirror and ask yourself, are you a chicken or are you a pig? Thank you.